I am relinquishing all power. I don't want to get reelected. I'm not running for reelection. I'm stepping down a la George Washington <laughs> for the good of the community. I want to establish a president. You know, George Washington had slaves, Cream. I'm glad you compared yourself to him. Yeah, I call him Brent. What's your point? <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Baruke, and I'm here with my co-host, Brentimus Philbimus, a.k.a. Brent Philbin. How you doing today, buddy? What's up? What's up? And again, I get like Greek every now and then. I'm either Greek or I'm a chef randomly, and neither one of those are accurate. Um, I guess Roman. Yeah, maybe. Well, everybody's Greek <laughs> a little bit. Right, Jason? Anyway, <laughs> so we are recording... Episode number 159 today, flagship number 59, and uh, let's start with a little bit of introduction. What's going on? What have we done, Brent? What have we done for you lately, people? Well, we talked about scams yesterday. Uh, Kareem, Kareem and I just kind of BSed for over an hour about different scams, and some of them were crypto-related, some of them weren't. So if you haven't checked that out, yes. go ahead and Don't sell it short. It was groundbreaking investigative work, critical thinking course. Yes. Yeah, anyway, it's all about self-marketing, but for free. Yes. <laughs> all right. And I don't think we have any specific announcements. Correct? No, we haven't gotten anything wrong. Like Nobody corrected us on any of the scam stuff, so that's good. We, 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 when we're talking about scams, we mostly get it right, or the community cries. The, <laughs> well, that is our area of expertise. That we're talking about. Right. <laughs> you guys focus on the good <laughs> projects. We will destroy scams. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get to some news. Let's get an update. First of all, we've talked about this during the scams episode. I know this has been kind of one of the big news. Quadratica, what do you got for me? Any updates? What's going on? Quadriga CX. I kind of thought we were Quadriga. done with the funny stuff on Quadriga CX, right? So the 10 second recap is this is the exchange from Canada that said that their founder died who had all of their private keys and they're not able to access anybody's money. Uh, well, some reports have come out for the monitor of the Quadriga CX case. The monitor is Ernst & Young, which is one of the big four accounting firms that will not look at Tether, Tether apparently. The exchange accidentally sent $370,000 in Bitcoin to the cold wallet that's controlled by the mm. dead founder after he died. Don't you hate it when that happens? This is like, ah, whoops. <laughs> we, we sent it. And this is the actual quote from the report that was filed with the courts. On February 6th, 2019, Quadriga inadvertently transferred 103 Bitcoins valued at approximately 468,675 Canadian dollars to Quadriga cold wallets, which the company is currently unable to access. Okay. The monitor is working with management to retrieve this cryptocurrency from the various cold wallets if possible. <laughs> okay, Brent, I think it's pretty clear here that what they're saying is, look, the Bitcoin just slipped and landed on his hard wallet. That's all. It's not his, <laughs> that's not its fault. <laughs> it's it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, some of the Reddit people were thinking that the way Canadian law works, because this is outside of the scope of what they can grab, that the estate won't 
like it'll get away with it if it sends it to the dead wallets and then they can start moving once the case is over or something. I don't know. So I do know this whole thing is so big that I expect it to actually set back cryptocurrency regulation a decent amount. Uh, the little exchanges getting hacked and pretending and all that stuff is whatever. They're, they're tiny. They're small. They're not a big piece. This one, like it, like we said on the scams episode, non-crypto people are coming to me and saying, hey, look, look at this about this guy who died and had the passwords and stuff like that. He, they, and then I get to tell them the real story or the whole story. It's even worse. We'll be like conspiracy theorist, but then it's like, nope, no, there's just. <laughs> here's the evidence like this is what i don't understand why main news isn't actually reporting this as this guy is dying because or isn't dying because it's super obvious to me but yeah you know what are you gonna do no this is crazy but here's here's what i will say though brent i think it might not set us back so much and also i think it shows problems that could be relatively easy to solve right like for example because of the nature of cryptocurrency, because of the nature of hard wallets or whatever it is, without having to give a key or anything like that, there should be a regulatory system that says if you're going to handle people's money, the regulatory entity needs to be able to see at least which accounts are going on and where they're moving money. Like, why does one CEO have complete access here? Like, the idea that one person could hold access to all of the keys of all of the exchange. Like, do you really want a major exchange to run like that? Let's say he hadn't faked his own death. What if he just fell? <laughs> like, are we really yeah, going to lose no. that many funds? Because we got to respect the the freedom of the exchange owner to run it however he wants to run it. No, like, let's get some, some real rules in place about how you have to handle other people's cryptocurrency. On the last episode when we talked about this, we even said that this guy said years ago that their exchange was run in a different way. He said that it had a two out of three multi-sig password, meaning that there's three people that had it. And if one person died or disappeared or whatever, the other two people can still combine to access the wallets. So and it needs two people. So two of the three people would have to die at any given time to have any sort of issues. But he was either lying or they're in on it. And and like we said, the other founder was a piece of shit, too. So he might be in on it. Yeah. No, nah, it's crazy. This is crazy stuff. No, you got to be in on it. Ramsey's snuck into Kareem's room, apparently, and was making some noise. So he took the opportunity of me noticing there was a light over my shoulder to go throw Ramsey's away. Ramsey's is Kareem's dog, who's gotten a little bit chunky over the last you know, year or so. He's, I started to say he should have to call him Brentsy's. Anyway. All right. Now that now that you've disposed of that little beast, let's talk about JP Morgan rolling out their first bank backed cryptocurrency. What? Oh, I know, Brent. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. Guys, it's finally happening. We can pack it up and go home. JP Morgan's releasing a cryptocurrency backed by JP Morgan. This is why we all got into crypto. Moon. <laughs> All right. Moon. No, no, no. All kidding around aside, I actually want to take the positive outlook on the story, but just to give the update. So the engineers at JP Morgan have created JPM coin, and it's going to be a digital <laughs> token, right? I think it's going to be running a semi-distributed ledger or something similar to blockchain. Uh, but it's going to be used to instantly settle transactions between clients of his wholesale payment business. How big is that wholesale payment business? Well, it's estimated that JP Morgan moves somewhere around $6 trillion around the world every single day. 
every single day in its use of, you know, moving money from corporations to corporations, payments, stuff like that, right? Uh, the first thing I think of, Brent, is who do you think this is going to compete with, obviously? Ripple. For sure. That's who yeah. should feel threatened by these uh, stories, in my opinion. But anyway, JPM coin, unlike Bitcoin, is really only going to be for the big institutional clients that JP Morgan has that have already undergone some type of regulatory loop or, you know, uh, passing through hoops or whatever it's called, barriers, hurdles. There you go. Jumping hurdles. Hurdles. Regulatory hurdles. Anyway, so we're talking about corporations, banks, brokerages, stuff like that. Those are the people that are going to be able to use this token. It's not really going to be available to the individual investor. I got some information here from Umar Farouk, who is the head of JP Morgan's blockchain projects. He's And obviously a great friend of yours. Of course, my cousin Farouk. And <laughs> he says that there's three early applications. First, for international payments between the large... Uh, large corporate clients. So these are a lot of companies that are currently using Swift. So maybe this could replace something like that. One of the things that they talk about is that some of the times these legacy payment networks, uh, the reason that you have to sometimes wait a day or an extra day is because they're literally in the other side or in different parts of the world, different time zones, and they have cutoff times. They have opening hours, closing hours. So putting this on a blockchain style system is going to allow them to operate 24-7. Ooh. Great choice of sound effect there, Brent. <laughs> also want to use it for security transactions. Uh, so, for example, they simulated, quote unquote, a transaction with a Canadian bank where they're depositing $150 million. So instead of trying to do a $150 million wire transfer or something like that to buy some securities, they can use the JPM token. Uh, and then they lastly talk about for treasury services. So JP Morgan actually handles the treasuries for a lot of big companies like Facebook. Ever heard of Facebook, Brent? Um, yeah, that's the, uh, the that's the one that's run by that guy, Tom. Correct. Yes. Yes. That's the one. So these companies obviously have to pay for employees, move money around. They're also international, so they have money everywhere to move around. JP Morgan handles a lot of these companies' treasuries. And how much money do they make, by the way? They make about $9 billion a year just from this part alone, just from this section yeah, of their business. Damn. Yes, banks make. So they want to cannibalize that by making it easier? Hmm. Well, they Something have doesn't seem right here. Well, but here's the thing, actually, and this is interesting. It turns out JP Morgan is banking approximately 80% of Fortune 500 companies. And this is part of the reason they feel so comfortable creating a product that's meant exclusively for business because they have not really a monopoly, but they have such a good share of that market that even if they make it easier or more efficient or whatever, yeah, they're it's, they're going to make it more competitive and they're still going to make a ton of money and they own this market kind of. So it's JP Coin coming your way. Brent, how did these news make you feel? Uh, you know what? It makes me feel like I need to invest in JPM coin. When is the ICO? When can we expect to be able to get those coins to go to the moon? Well, Brent, attentive listeners will know that it won't be available to individual investors, as was covered in the first segment of the story. Well, perhaps we could be <laughs> accredited investors and not be individuals. You know what? We'll bring you the ICO live when it happens. <laughs> on the air. Yeah. And we'll we'll just take us you could actually invest through us. We'll take a small cut in honor of J.P. Morgan. Ah, excellent. <laughs> we'll take $9 billion off the top, and then whatever's left over, we'll invest into their coin. So you guys send it to us, and then we'll do that. All right. So, Brent, 
Let's get back to the world of scamming. Tell me about this uh, <laughs> this Bitcoin fund manager. I don't, were you on the episode where we talked about Bitcoin fund manager last time? The YouTube guy who has like multiple identities and I, maybe I don't remember. But go on. He's fleeing the country. He 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 was in the U.S. He was scamming people in like other industries. He had like I don't know. He had like a perfume industry. He had like all this other stuff. He would say that he was he was like a the consultant for these companies or something and then put like go in and ask them if he could just record their business yeah. and then give them exposure and then he would just say that he ran the business or that he was like, their consultant or whatever so that guy was and it's funny is like people would talk about subscribing to him just to kind of be funny well youtube finally figured it out and they banned him from youtube and also i emailed him trying to get him to get me in on the scam but i think he smelled it <laughs> i think i might have acted a little too stupid i tried all the tricks that we talked about i tried to misspell a couple of words i didn't use capital letters where i was supposed to i used the letter u instead of y-o-u like i was trying to be somebody this guy's like oh yeah this idiot i'm gonna get him but i guess he dropped the ball there and uh, did not let me do it. So anyway, he was banned for like a day. And then he immediately had two brand new accounts, one with 11,000 followers and one with 16,000 followers and was posting videos again. His face wasn't on any of them for the last like 40 or 50 videos. I had to scroll pretty far back to even find his face to make sure it was still the same guy on them. And one of the the one with more followers had less videos, only had a few videos and none of those showed his face. But the second video that he had released, like one was on Bitcoin, the one before that was on the BitTorrent token. He was talking about how great that was and showing you the charts and making predictions and stuff <laughs> like that. So interestingly enough, though, he's definitely got people that think he's not a scammer because or, or he's got shill accounts on Reddit, one or the other, because on Reddit, there were people like. I don't know why everybody's saying this is a good thing. This is just as bad as um, Alex Jones or Jordan Peterson on YouTube getting having problems. I mean, this is bad. This guy, all this guy did was call the bottom perfectly and then people hate him for it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he did call the bottom because he makes 150 predictions every mm -hmm. day. Also, while running his 150 different companies. So, you know, yeah, if you want to point out that particular piece of information, good job. Anyway, I'm not going to link his YouTube or anything like that. I just want you to know that Bitcoin Fund Manager is out there still scamming, still fine in a way. So if one of your friends says, hey, I've been watching these great YouTubers, Trevon James and Bitcoin Fund Manager. <laughs> Stop being friends with that person. Don't even try to convince them that they whoa, need to not spend whoa, their money. Because whoa, whoa, whoa. No, yeah. definitely try to save your friends. My Lord, Brent, what kind of advice are we giving? I'm going to have to start saying at the end that we're not friendship advisors. <laughs> not professional. <laughs> it might be a good idea. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot of friends, so. Oh, you got a friend in well, anybody. I mean, I do go through them. They just eventually get pissed off at me and then uh, they don't have <laughs> friends anymore. <laughs> Because I tell them things like, yeah, I'm not going to be your friend because you're getting scammed by Bitcoin fund manager. <laughs> they get mad at me, a.k.a. I tell them I won't be their friend anymore. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know what? This is Canada. It should have been in crypto around the world. I should have been like, should have waited till the end. So this is only one 
one story. Yeah, I think it's one story. You're, you're going to talk about Canada, so yeah. That's good. So just a little bit of an interesting ruling or dynamic because we know how a lot of times uh, the way that things become codified into law or things end up becoming norms is because an agency somewhere does something and it starts to creep and they establish precedent. So the Financial Markets Authority of Quebec recently took a step which might mean that mining contracts can be considered securities. So there is a company in uh, Canada called Technologies Crypto Inc. that apparently took in a bunch of money from investors under the assumption that they were going to be using that money to mine cryptocurrency, to buy the equipment and mine the cryptocurrency. And they took in about $300,000 from investors. But now it looks like some of the investors have had a very difficult time getting their money back. The people running the company are unresponsive. <laughs> it's unclear if they're using the money for mining. So apparently some people went to the Financial Markets Authority and they established that, yeah, they actually do have some jurisdiction. They sent out a message to investors to try to contact them. And they put a freezing order on the company and its two principals, the people that run the business, They're David... Uh, Fortin Dominguez and Samori Pro Olocoto. Oloco. <laughs> Which, another one of your cousins, weirdly enough. <laughs> yeah. Every single last name that's not white, uh, Brent believes is related <laughs> to me, guys. Sorry about this. Is We're multicultural here at Crypto Basic. We embrace his, the ignorance. <laughs> anyway, so the freezing order privilege, is cool in a way because, again, this is the kind of power that could be abused, but also... Here they could save investors because if these people are now responsive, but now they've been able to issue an order that freezes their assets, that means they can't take money out of the bank. They can't sell the mining equipment or get rid of it. They can't, basically they can't move anything until the situation kind of gets figured out. So apparently this action is considered the Canadian regulators officially considering these mining uh, contracts a security. So there you go. Interesting. Now, first of all, I'd like to say that these miners are complete idiots for keeping their money somewhere that the Canadian government could freeze it. If you're running a if you're running a scam, boys, don't keep it in Canadian dollars. I mean, I'm just saying this kind of what crypto's for. On top of like all the you know good things behind it, there's some very clear dark market shadiness that can happen with cryptocurrency. And if you're not gonna embrace that and you're gonna do a scam, I don't have any uh love for you we talked about a lot of scams in this episode man it was it was kind of a slowish news week i mean but um, unless you're a scammer <laughs> yeah unless you're a scammer I, I i will say that one of the red flags should be hey give us your money and we're going to totally make more money in this other way you and we'll give back to you at a certain amount of time and wait, hold on a second yeah, this, I, that's called basic investment that's literally what well, we do with every company. You give them money maybe, and they make but more money doing cryptocurrency mining. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> My guess is this sounded too good to be true when you were signing up for it and then crypto tanked. So they so they ran out of money. They didn't care about mining crypto anymore. You can't even profitably mine Bitcoin right now. It needs to be like 4100, I think, for it to be profitable to even try to mine Bitcoin for most people. So not surprising that the unsubsidized Canadian electricity was having a hard time making a profit by mining in this particular bear market. Yeah, makes sense. But Brent, in the world of cryptocurrency and in the world of non-scams, as Bitcoin and Ethereum reach new levels, tell me what's going on with the Nasdaq. 
Uh, NASDAQ is actually releasing two cryptocurrency indices or indexes. I mean, indices is the plural of index, but I think that maybe in financial terms, it's supposed to actually be said indexes. I don't really it's know. It's pronounced octopi. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> so the NASDAQ has released two new cryptocurrency octopi, and it is using those as a benchmark for Bitcoin and Ethereum. It's using BLX and ELX. So the article I was reading was talking about Brave New Coin having a partnership with them coming up with these different indices, Octopi. And they acted like Brave New Coin had some interesting algorithm to come up with the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum and that somehow there's a partnership here where they're using their algorithm or they're using their index and they are then creating the number off of that but they're not they're just using already established uh indexes octopi from the blx the bitcoin liquid exchange was formed in 2010 and it's basically just the different exchange prices of bitcoin averaged in a certain way and the elx was formed in 2016 long before brave new coin ever existed so i don't really know anything about brave new coin Sounds like they paid some money for a NASDAQ partnership <laughs> that uh, that they legit had nothing to do with anything. I could be wrong, but that's how I interpreted it. And they it. paid for an article that would be presented as an article when in reality it was sponsored content. Yeah, as like, yeah, oh, Brave New Coin has done this amazing thing. So this is cool, but it's not exactly revolutionary. It's no different than what you're going to find on Coin Market Cap. It's just going to be found in a different way. With the NASDAQ getting involved, they have 40,000 different indexes. It's not like this is going to be up there where there's going to be like the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, and then the NASDAQ and then the BLX. This is just like one of the ways that they can keep track of the price. So on the other hand, if you have any self-made Excel sheets or Google Sheets that reference an existing index, maybe that'll make it easier with some kind of equation. So there you go. Possibly. I don't know. The Excel sheet that we use for like whenever we end up with Bitcoin or something for crypto basic is like, I don't know, it took me two seconds to make it and it works fine. So Mm. I don't know. Great story, Brent. Let's talk about Greg Wright. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Uh, Anyway, it it is interesting. It updates every 30 seconds and NASDAQ getting more involved in crypto is not new, but it's good that they continue to expand. I agree. IMO. Agreed. All right, Kareem. Yeah, this is Craig. You said you want to talk about Craig Wright. WikiLeaks. I what is what is going on here? Don't read. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something interesting. I I'll think you up. might. I'll scroll up. Agree with Craig Wright on something in this. Oh boy. And agree with WikiLeaks on something Ooh. in this. Okay. So, so they're both talking shit about each other. <laughs> that's basically. Yeah, basically. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the end result. All right, go on. Let's do it. What Let's is happening it. here? So Craig Wright and WikiLeaks have gotten into a little bit of a Twitter spat. Okay. Uh, with each other well actually Craig Wright did it on medium first so he put a medium article and inside the article he put some bad things about wikileaks now his medium username is Craig Wright and then in parentheses it says bitcoin sv is the original bitcoin (laughs) it's it's so great but uh anyway yeah he said in his first medium paper where he was talking about the origins of crypto and basically the the idea was that satoshi hated the fact that shady people were starting to use crypto which is weird i mean satoshi stopped posting pre 
Silk Road and all that stuff. So shady people using crypto is literally what catalyzed it. So I don't you can't really hate that too much. But he was writing about how he didn't like Ross Albrecht and all this thing. So he said, I do not like WikiLeaks and I have never been a fan of Assange's methods. That's the part that I think you feel like you might kind of agree with. Although there was no. probably a time where yeah, you were a fan I, of Assange methods no, I, before you realized. Look, ultimately, there's two divisions. What Assange does personally and obviously what's been discovered are his political motives, which understood because he's in a weird spot where he's been trapped in an embassy for eight years. So whatever or however many years. But the idea of creating an outlet for whistleblowers to send anonymously information and to have a team of people look at it and make sure it's real and then to release that to the public so that we find out what these big corporations and governments are doing behind our back. I'm 100% behind that. And I've actually been heartbroken that WikiLeaks turned out to, well, to be... Right, to, to not be impartial. Correct, they, correct. If you hadn't followed WikiLeaks, they were giving the illusion of impartiality, of impartiality while withholding information that would have been damning against the people that they agreed with politically. Yeah, they were working with the can- yeah. Anyway, so but I I yeah. don't I don't mind Assange's methods to be honest with you. Like yeah, he's an asshole, but so what? Some a lot of assholes are doing things that are needed to be done. Yeah. So finishing Craig Wright's quote. Uh, more importantly, I am strongly opposed to criminal markets and bucket shops. Ross Ulbricht and others like him are criminals. They are not freedom fighters. They are not libertarians. They are simply predators. And they are all that Bitcoin was designed to make far more difficult, which is unique because Bitcoin actually catalyzed that. But at the same time, since it's so transparent in the end, it may end up making that stuff difficult if you use Bitcoin for it as more data points are created and more Bitcoin is de-anonymized. So he's not wrong here. I still say jury's out on Ulbricht. I know the crypto community really likes him and really wants to rally behind him. There was a there was a meme a couple of days ago that was uh, it showed that El Chapo is likely to get less time in jail than Ross Ulbricht got because Ross got like two life sentences plus 40 years and whatever El Chapo gets is going to be less than that. Um, which is, which is funny. The weird side note on El Chapo, he said something that when I thought about it made a little bit of sense. And I wonder, I want to get your thoughts on this before we continue on the Craig Wright talks. He was found guilty, right? One of the things that he said was that this was an unfair trial because the jury had armed guards protecting them at all times. And it's impossible for him to get a fair trial if the jury is being protected by armed guards because they're going to automatically think that they have to be protected. Yeah. And I was like, but they, yeah, I mean, dudes, he's right. But like, he's also created that entire, yeah, exactly. the reason they have to be, exactly. He's killed. So and the story people. and the story. The reason they have to be protected yeah. is because he's made it absolutely clear that he will go to any lengths and harm anybody and create any amount of harm to benefit himself. He's just like Pablo Escobar was. So he needs yep. to go down. You're not going to get a fair trial because you decided to be a worldwide criminal murderer, rapist, torturer, kidnapper, and drug dealer. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. <laughs> anyway, it was that was it was an interesting thought. Going on, WikiLeaks decided to tweet back at him when they saw that in the article and called him a serial fabricator. <laughs> accurate. Hundred percent accurate. Yep. That's exactly what yep. he is. And they don't they don't say things that they can't back up. Like they might have withheld information, 
but they don't create false information. Right. That's not their MO. Right. So they're not going to say you're a fucking liar unless they they can prove that he's a liar. So so what did they do? They sent out a bunch of links to different things that he's forged over the years. And they're like, oh, look, here's where he screwed up. Here's where he did this. Here's where he did this. They got his GitHub on there, all this stuff with his like end chain research, all that. <laughs> they tweeted some more. They, they called him the Bernie Madoff of Bitcoin. <laughs> It, it, the, the, that tweet said the birdie made off of hashtag Bitcoin Craig S. Wright, who keeps forging documents to make it seem that he is Bitcoin's pseudo anonymous inventor, Satoshi Nakamoto, caught again, this time forging a 2001 antecedent to Nakamoto's first Bitcoin paper. <laughs> so I guess I've been following the new things that fake Toshi has been doing to try and prove that oh he's Satoshi other than sending a transaction. But apparently he created a whole prequel he's like oh this is this is bitcoin episode one the phantom menace here in 2001 that's crazy dude see who can make this up but uh wikileaks actually had like reasons why it was completely made up and they had proof i don't know if and when that was ever released to the the crypto community we never covered it but it is you know what i do like here's what i will say man i'm gonna explain like i do enjoy watching people i dislike commit public suicide by just starting fights that they shouldn't start and stuff like that like yeah. i love that i love that you know what like you want to pick on WikiLeaks on like to have them just throw all the shit in your face and with like your history and your background and your like please yeah. keep exposing yourself yep he is uh bad shit crazy you do you don't want to fight you don't want to fight WikiLeaks. it's bad yeah it's got you're gonna have a bad time you're gonna have a bad time I'm sure if I tweeted something bad to WikiLeaks, they would just post something and be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that time that you said this on your Facebook that you deleted. Well, you didn't fucking do this. And I'd be like, but but I was at the strip club that night. <laughs> anyway, they, they even insinuate that he's again bringing up the Satoshi thing to try and pump the price of Bitcoin SV. They don't say they have any proof of that, but that's why they think he's the Bernie Madoff of crypto is like he's trying to push the narrative again specifically because he has his little coin that forked off from Bitcoin Cash. Interestingly enough, when I look at this stuff with Bitcoin SV and ABC or whatever, now Bitcoin Cash, it actually does look like Bitcoin SV is the better coin. When you and and I don't do a whole lot of looking at Bitcoin Cash and stuff, but Brant, who we've had on the episode a couple of times, like broke it down and he showed why he prefers SV but also why most of his portfolio is in Bitcoin Cash. So if this was headed by spearheaded by somebody that wasn't Craig Wright, it may have ended up being the Bitcoin Cash. And but instead, he's like such a douche that nobody's willing to <laughs> mine his network because he's a douche. Yeah. So. Well, also, just because so many big figures and, and power, you know, just because they have so much force behind this, it's still like the how many fork of Bitcoin and, or another Bitcoin like network. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that I think that Bitcoin Cash needs to take over Bitcoin. It is not the original Bitcoin or anything. Bitcoin is Bitcoin. But if you're strictly talking about just those two, then right. it makes sense. So, all right. Before we go forward, I do have to take a second to talk about Token Talks, the Token Talks podcast. That's right. I'm talking about talks on a podcast about a podcast. Anyway, Token Talks podcast, they are another podcast. They're at wing.vc slash podcast. Uh, they are hosted by Zachary DeWitt. They do a lot of 
different content than us, but still from the realm of having their listeners' interests at heart. So they are part of a venture capital firm that invests in companies, but they their podcast is very specifically about information. It's a little bit more technical, a little bit more about the interviews. And what they do is post that information, link everything, and let you make your own decisions on that kind of thing. So if you're interested in some more crypto content, that's good. Check them out. Obviously, as we said before, this is a sponsored shout out. We were being compensated for this, so that's important to know. Always know the biases of where you're getting your information, but understand that we did look into this before we accepted them as a sponsor and we're happy to have them on board. So let them know Crypto Basics sent you so that way they know that their sponsorship worked out. And otherwise, let's get back to Flagship Friday. Okay, I think you had a little rant you want to go on before we go to the think the Patreon members and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I am I am going to go on a little bit of a rant here and then feel free to like talk about stuff because we we lost Mike, which, you know, means we're we're down a person. We got less stories. It's going to be like one of the shortest flagships ever if we don't start getting into it. So <laughs> um, feel free to to chime in on this stuff here. But and talk about Wells Fargo. So Wells Fargo is who I bank with for my for my businesses with both Escape Key and now when we're here in Austin with Wild Foods. And I was trying to use my Wells Fargo card a few days ago, like three or four days ago. And it was I was actually it wasn't me. It was uh, it was my manager back in the Gainesville store. And she calls me and she's like, hey, the card's getting declined, which, of course, makes me look stupid. Like, what don't you don't have money in there? I'm like, what are you talking about? I go to log on and Wells Fargo is down. Well, what happened is and then the only reason I know is not localized to me is because Colin, the the CEO of Wild Foods here, is having the same problem with his Wells Fargo card. What happened is they had a fire in one of their data centers and shut down the entire network. Nobody with a Wells Fargo card, business or personal, for an entire day had access to their money. Not like the website was down and stuff like that. Like everyone who had a Wells Fargo card that tried to use it got declined. And they all couldn't go on to their bank account to check and see if they had just overdrawn or something like that. It was just legitimately the whole network was down and we make tons and tons of arguments about banks being scummy. We make tons of arguments about banks being like centralized pieces of crap and all this stuff. But one of the big arguments that we kind of forget about is they are centralized databases that have points of attack. If you bomb a certain piece of the banking network, it's fucking gone. Like that's just, that's the same thing as lighting money on fire in a vault if you find it and burn it. Like they, you know, anyway, uh, it was it was bad. First of all, I hate Wells Fargo. I don't even know why I bank with them for business. I, it was not my choice. Yeah. My partners did it and they they did it because it was easy. They as far as I'm concerned, they're a super scummy company. You know, we did the or we, we've covered the story where they were giving incentives to people or at least Maybe not even incentives, but they're saying if you don't open this many accounts, like you lose your job. So the people were opening fake accounts and stuff. And then they ran the whole, oh, trust us. We're fine now. It's it's cool. Yeah, no, those ads are hilarious. The fact that you even have to run those ads. That, and, dude, they're some of the worst of the worst. They were just like straight up defrauding their customers, creating fake accounts. I mean, for crying out loud. And, of course, the people that spearheaded the whole thing get to cash in on it. It's, I don't know. Yeah, and they didn't get any real consequences. They didn't lose any real market share. Uh, they, they, it just 
people are going to do what is easier. And for whatever reason, there's so many Wells Fargo's out there that it's you easier. You want to know? Uh, so I'm not a hundred percent. I'm gonna clarify real quick. I'm not a hundred percent sure that this story is true, but I remember hearing it from a pretty reliable source. When they had the shareholders meeting, uh, and I, I hate to say this because this is actually somebody that I really like, but supposedly when they had the shareholders meeting and they were thinking about kicking out the board and a lot of the executives and stuff, the person who came in with overwhelming votes and voted to basically keep things as they are and look the other way was Warren Buffett, who owns like a huge percentage of it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Money that talks. Would, uh, Money. That would make sense. Like destabilizing it is worse. Especially if you think you can tell the guy, all right, I'm disappointed in you, but but just we're not going to miss again, a whole okay? business here with the yeah. No, it's it's interesting, you know. As a quick side note, you just uh, made me think about it. I looked it up real quick. Uh, you remember there was a day back in 13, uh, 2013, where Google went down for like five minutes, and it was like crazy. Internet traffic traffic dropped by like forty percent. Google lost approximately like half a million dollars in revenue from being down five minutes. Um, Jesus. I think my my guess is maybe I remember reading this somewhere or maybe I'm just guessing, but like I'm sure now something like Google or even Amazon has probably a much more distributed way internally of storing data and stuff like that. That it's not just like a if a data center goes out, but I don't know. But this is this is interesting in that it shows the need for uh, decentralized systems in modern society. Or at least distributed. Yeah, th- th- that's what I mean. I'm sorry. Even if they're not decentralized. Like distributed. If you use the Hyperledger, fine. Yeah. But we, we say this all the time, that blockchain is probably going to change the way the world works. It may not change the way money works, but there are a lot of use cases that are outside of cryptocurrency. So yeah, they, if they, they're working with Hyperledger, if they're working with Kadena or something like that, they need to... They need to they need to do that sooner than later, have distributed data centers and realize that there are centralized points of attack. Yeah. Also, there's also like a wire in the in the ocean that can get cut and completely screw over the internet too. I don't remember. Oh, right, right, is, right. That connects Europe and, and the United <laughs> States or whatever. Yeah, the, like the one wire between the two. <laughs> no, 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 this is it, <laughs> not giving it to you. This huge, is what but. makes it really interesting though, because yeah, man, it's sometimes it's hard to think about the space in a more abstract, broader concept of all of its applications, even if it's something that's not called the a blockchain, but just the way that we're moving to a system that, like you said, distributed, not not decentralized, that's not the word I was thinking of. Distributed is the correct terminology to make our systems more resilient as opposed to monolithic structures, you know. It makes me think of like that swarm concept and and how powerful it can be, you know, whether you're talking about data storage, robots, information, whatever, you know? Well, robots, bro, too soon. Too soon? (laughs) Too soon. Too soon. I'm going to mention that now since you brought it up. Poor Curiosity. He stopped working. That thing was meant to work for 90 days on Mars and went 15 years. Brent, I would like to go on a rant. You just triggered me. I'm sorry, bro. Okay. (laughs) Listen. I just want to point something out to keep it in your mind and the audience's mind. I understand the concept that there's a lot of things that are better done by private markets. But the idea that only private industry could do amazing things and amazing achievements and only uh, the quote unquote, the competition of a free market can create a good product is clearly false. Should the government be doing like cars and stuff like that? No, that's much better left to consumer companies. But look... 
with the work of NASA, a government institution whose job was to do the most with the most qualified people, with the least amount of resources possible. Look what they managed to accomplish. Groundbreaking technology that was able to outlast its design by like orders of magnitude of what it was designed to do. So, you know, this is just an example that when we put our mind to it, we can accomplish really great things in different ways. And that the idea that only free market can accomplish things like this is just religion. It's completely religion. So anyway, my pushback on that a little bit would be maybe it would have happened faster if it was done inside of a free inside of a free market with a private What's company. What's the evidence for that? But give me one shred no, of evidence I mean, for that other than just an arbitrary assumption. Elon's rockets. Nope. Elon's rockets took much longer to develop than NASA. And as a matter of fact, Elon was able to use the technology that the Soviets and the Americans invested billions of dollars of research because here's what people forget. There was a time when it wasn't profitable. Okay. Curiosity's mission wasn't profitable. There wasn't money to be made. So nobody would have thrown money to try to make money because the only value of it came from knowledge, exploration, research, the kinds of things that you need to have long-term vision for. That's also why Christopher Columbus's travel to the Americas, the first one, was really funded by government entities because it really wasn't as profitable. They were hoping it was profitable, but sometimes there are things that require investment that are not going to yield returns. And now that there's a possible market for private space exploration, now people like Virgin Galactic and Elon Musk can invest millions. And yeah, maybe they can do better than NASA would have done at supplying space travel to the masses. Maybe that's better left for business. But clearly, the research, the development, and the initial investment required non-private business. It was government entities. So I, I would also like to talk about what happened with Curiosity, why it was able to last that long. They So when they developed it, they, they basically came up with a 99.9% probability that it could last 90 days. But they didn't expect it to last too much past that because what happens on Mars is there are tons of dust storms and that thing runs off solar power. The dust storms can last a long time and if it doesn't get enough solar power to recharge, it'll just die forever. What they didn't realize was that the storms would actually clean the solar panels. So over the time that it would get, it would gather a bunch of dust mm. and it would get, and they would obscure the light that was getting to them when these dust storms would happen. Yeah. The, the Rover would not be getting light during the storm itself, but it would completely wipe off the panels. So when the storm was done, it was getting way more energy than it was supposed to. So it was able to last longer and longer until it ran into a spot where the storms took too long and it died completely. So anyway, that was kind of cool. amazing, though. Like, I, I, as we finish this up, man, like I, I feel so lucky to be alive in an era where we have spaceships that are basically past uh, Pluto. We have a sleeping robot on Mars with other robot. Expo- well, I guess now we have two sleeping robots on Mars, right? Am I? Yeah. Why, yeah. Like- well, the first rover lasted like no time. <laughs> right. But I can't remember what that one was called. That was called, uh, damn, that because it took pictures and sent pictures back, but it did, it died like almost instantly. I can't remember how we long it took. We landed on but- an asteroid. I think we got, we, I think, I believe we've landed on Venus. This is exciting stuff, man. I think in our lifetime, we're actually going to get to. Even go to somewhere like Europa where there might be life and drill through the ice. Like, man, what a, what a time to be alive, honestly, when it comes to space exploration. If you want to see a cool show, Mars on Netflix, if this, all, if this talk all interests you, Mars on Netflix is a documentary style fiction series. And the way it works is they show flashbacks to the past 
of 2016 of how we were preparing to go to Mars. And then they show flash forwards to the future where there is a team there and then they're a colony and so on and so forth. But the flashbacks are all like Elon Musk and SpaceX mm. talking and how they got to Mars and, and all the rockets <laughs> they were blowing up and and Neil deGrasse Tyson is doing interviews and stuff like that. So it's all real people right. that are doing interviews about how we need to get to Mars. And then they cut to like the fictional uh, colony there. But the fictional colony there is also rooted in reality for what would actually pop possibly happen if we got there or what would happen to get there and all that stuff. So it's weird. It's got some like documentary style to it and also gives you a little bit of investment in the characters me all the while talking about you know mars and what and you know what one more thing brent i'm going to add here to the bottom of the outline for the show notes a link to a recent video by kurzagat on youtube who's got great content and it's called why colonizing mars is a terrible idea and why we should do it it's just breaking down all of the <laughs> difficulties that are going to happen. Like some of the stuff you wouldn't even think about. You just mentioned some, but it's really interesting. It's like eight minutes. So if you like this stuff, you could also watch that. It's in the show notes. Uh, but anyway, now we're talking about Mars. Next thing you know, we're going to be talking about Wyoming. I think it's time to wrap it up. Oh, boy. Wyoming Wyoming listener. Man, you guys are passing some great legislation there. Would love to come visit Wyoming soon. So once you get your crypto windfall from being the one person in wyoming let us know we'll fly out there and we'll hang out with you um i also want to mention just as an off mentioning thing sorry this has nothing to do with wyoming but i believe there to be a live basic bitch coin on the ethereum (laughs) network we mentioned on the last episode we're trying to figure out how to get a tip bot to work in the discord so that the the centralized company person that created basic bitcoin can let people tip each other in the discord with basic bitcoin so if you're interested in that pop into the discord the link is in the show notes speaking of show notes i just realized that all of our show notes do not have clickable links from like the last 125 episodes on the phones on the website they do on the phones or or like uh, if you're on itunes and we say yo check the show notes there's a link all it is is words it doesn't even have like the https and show you where to go because the way we were putting the stuff through libsyn we didn't realize you had to use markdown libsyn's editor doesn't do that so when we pasted our links into there they were already working they're working links from the editor but when they put them onto the rss feed they needed to be in markdown and because of the way we were pasting it, Libsyn didn't do it. So we have an entire library of useless show notes on our actual podcast things. So from this point forward, I'm going to be doing them in Markdown so you'll be able to see them. I don't know if I'm going to bother going back and fixing the old ones. But I swear, in the show notes, you can join the Discord. In the show notes, you can click on all the links for all the sources that we've cited for this stuff. And our website worked the entire time. So if there's something you wanted to click on in iTunes and you're like, man, they said that was in the show notes. It's not there. It's on the website. It's there. You can go there. We've got that stuff figured out. Riveting updates here from Mr. Philbin. And lastly, Brent, can you tell me about the inner circle, please? The Patreon inner circle, y'all. It is awesome, the response that we've gotten or we've gotten getting getting's good over here on the crypto basic inner circle go there uh the, look joining the inner, inner circle on crypto basic is going to get you some perks you're not going to hear any ads in your episodes you're going to get like shout outs on the end of the show you're going to get stuff like that I'm, we're not shouting anybody out on this show because the people who signed up on the the super nodes and master nodes they get shout outs on the last f- flagship of the month and 
other than uh, somebody re-signing up for Patreon, they like unsigned and re-signed. Looking at you, early adopter. We didn't get a new one this week, so I'm not going to talk about anybody this week. But we're adding a couple new perks. If this basic Bitcoin gets off the ground, I promise you basic Bitcoin is going to be part of your Patreon experience. Like as you join, you're going to get some basic Bitcoin. Whether or not we become the basic bitches. Now, now, Kareem, should we announce the, you know what? Let's just do that. Let's start the poll this week on whether we're going to be basic bitches or something else. So I, you heard the ad last week. You heard the reasons why the community believes that the listeners of Crypto Basic should be called the basic bitches. Kareem has been outed as a South American dictator for trying to <laughs> steer us away from that direction. He will come up with what he thinks is a no, better alternative. No, name I'm retired. No, no, no. Mike no. has to throw in his name, and the audience can submit submissions. I, as previous winner and accused dictator of this polling process, I am relinquishing all power. I don't want to get reelected. I'm not running for reelection. I'm stepping down a la George Washington <laughs> for the good of the community. I want to establish a president. You know, George Washington had slaves, Cream. I'm glad you compared yourself to him. Yeah, I call him Brent. What's your point? <laughs> All right. So actually, Basic Bitches is going to be one of the numbers or one of the names. If you're interested in some other name, email us CryptoBasicPodcast at gmail.com or pop into the Discord. We try to respond in both places all the time. We'll give it a few days, see if there's any other suggestions, and then we'll throw up the new poll and see who wins. I think I already know where this is going. Anyway, you would get some of those tokens. We're working on non-fungible tokens. The only thing holding us back is we want to design them nicely. So if we design the right non-fungible token, which means there's going to be like an image on it and it'll go to your Ethereum wallet, then there will be Patreon member versions of that that you'll be able to get. And also we'll be able to troll people with the bad awards that we gave them in the crypties. So that's it. Uh, Join the Patreon. Get part of the conversation. I put on like random outtakes and stuff on there. I try to throw up anything that I think might be interesting. So join the feed. Join us and keep us afloat. And we seriously, super serial appreciate it. Well, I think that that is going to do it today for the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Karim Baruka. I was here with Brent Philbin. As always, we would like to remind you that the members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. They're also not friendship advisors. Oh, you follow their... <laughs> That's a scam. Uh, yeah, unless it's a scam, then we'll advise you. Oh, no. <laughs> Whatever. We're, uh, we're leaving, right, to, we're the leaving to the intro. Here's what happens when you let Brent play with digital toys. He doesn't know which drop to drop. So we're going to drop it here. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We out. There. That's that's the right one. Our members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. Please do your own research and remember that all investments have inherent risk. Uh, don't invest any more money than you can afford to lose. I want a friend. Thank you.